we cross at this time to the United States. Celeste Katz-Marston is our guest in Boston. Celeste, good morning and welcome to the program. Good morning. Uh, you got uh, lotteries that go up to like a billion dollars, don't you? Not a hundred million is just that's paltry. That's that's chump change, <laughs> as we would say. Yeah, I wouldn't get out of bed for a hundred million dollars. No, exactly you know. right, exactly. Uh, but people will be staying in bed, possibly this week, because it is going to be getting very cold now. Boston is what well, was traditionally a cold city. I believe climate change is now changing, so there's less snow. But you are expecting a bit of a uh, a winter blast, a, a storm coming up in the next few days. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be quite as picturesque as the classic white Christmas, which I will add Boston has not seen since something like 2009. Some bizarre thing. We just don't get it. You can figure out some other reasons for that if you want to. Um, but we haven't had one. What it's going to be is incredibly cold and it's going to be torrential rains right before it gets extremely cold. So mm-hmm. driving or flying or any of those things should be especially cheerful for this holiday. Now, at least it's not well. I suppose if it's torrential rain and then it's icy Arctic blast, what does that do to, you know, if it does snow, does it turn to slush very quickly, or, or what's going to happen? I think it's just going to be like a slippery, icy nightmare, and everybody's going to be sort of inching along. It'll be traffic. It'll be uh, accidents. Just all the kinds of stuff that really makes Christmas a heartwarming, a heartwarming <laughs> moment. Now, now, the now. Air. The thing is, you know, because a month earlier is um, Thanksgiving, and that's the big travel day in the U.S. Do people generally stay at home at Christmas time? People actually travel quite a lot around Christmas. Uh, Thanksgiving is is another big one. Christmas. Um, they're already talking about hundreds and hundreds of canceled flights because of extreme weather all across the United States. And uh, for those of us who will be driving more locally, which is what we plan to do, we're going to see some family uh, just a short car ride away. I think it's still going to be a little complicated. Just want to be careful out there. And it is going to be brutally cold. So not exactly winter wonderland, taking a stroll through through the uh, yeah. the Christmas village kind of stuff. So in Australia, you know, we've got Christmas on Sunday, but we have the Boxing Day on Monday. There's another holiday on Tuesday. Some people get a holiday on Wednesday as well. Wow. So, yes. That's not the case in the US, is it? Um, Boxing Day is not a holiday. I mean, do you get a, a long weekend on, on the Monday because Christmas falls on a Sunday? Yeah, I think that people will have closures. There's usually some sort of, if it's a federal holiday, then it's observed. If it falls on a weekend, it's observed the following Monday. I think typically maybe sometimes on the Friday. But, um, you know, I think increasingly a lot of people in the U.S. are taking off time between Christmas and New Year's. Um, Certainly schools are closed, things like that. Uh, So uh, it is a big vacation time for a lot of Americans. And they do, you know, go to, uh, you know, Florida or California or things like this, um, also skiing and uh, winter sports and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, people who don't take a holiday necessarily at this time of the year, they do in in, uh, summer, is Congress. I mean, this is the weird thing. The new Congress actually starts, I think, is it on the 2nd or 3rd of January? So it's only a, a week or so away. So they want to get a whole lot of stuff done before the, or the Democrats do, before the Republicans take over the House. Right, right. So very much trying to jam in a lot of uh, stuff on spending bills, uh, certainly uh, 
any committee meetings or committee hearings that they're trying to take action from or wrapping up. Uh, lots of decisions to be made because Congress, as you know, will be uh, will be shifting to new leadership and, and new control uh, in the new year. But is it the case, though, that the Republicans just could flip whatever's been passed? Or do you think they sometimes think, well, we really want to do this, but we're never going to put our hands up to do it. We'll just let it pass and say, well, it was their fault, not ours, even though we secretly want it? Both of those things could be true. I think that some things will fall into one category and some in the other. Um, it's very easy. You know, sometimes it's politically expedient to say, well, you know, the Democrats uh, sort of railroaded this in in the very last moments of their control of of Congress. And uh, there's not too much we can do about it. And now people should look at this and and take it out on them in the next election or something like that. Meanwhile, though, and we think it's going to be today, if it hasn't happened already, the final report on the mob that attacked the Capitol on January the 6th, 2001, uh, sorry, 2021, 2021, uh, that report will be issued. Now, we've already heard that they, you know, they want criminal charges filed against uh, the former president, but what else are we going to hear uh, in this report, do you think? Yeah, I mean, we're still waiting to see a lot of the transcripts of some of the uh, the testimony. Some of that has been released, but some not. But basically, we will get sort of a fuller picture of all of the proceedings, and we will get those recommendations. And we're talking about referrals to uh, the Justice Department. These are criminal referrals for things like conspiracy to defraud the United States, um, abetting an insurrection, uh, very, very serious charges. What comes of those charges, of course, we don't know yet. This is just a referral. Congress doesn't have the power. This committee doesn't have the power to charge uh, anybody with uh, anything criminal. This is a, a civil proceeding, essentially, but they can make these important referrals. Again, we'll see what comes of those referrals and, and if they are successful or not. Yeah, Because a lot of people have already been charged and I presume got to jail because of their criminal activity. Those who, you know, smashed down the doors and uh, those who, you know, took over Nancy Pelosi's office and all that sort of stuff, that that a lot of that has already been done. We They're going after the big fish really here, aren't they? And, and this is a report, an important report, the same as a report into the September 11 um, you know, disaster or the, the you know the attacks there or the the uh, Ken Starr's report on Clinton's behaviour. I mean, that's just kind of the level we're at, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that what some people will will see um, or are seeing through this uh, proceeding is that a lot of the people that were very close to Donald Trump, his senior advisors, even members of his own family, uh, were not particularly cooperative or helpful or forthright in questioning. And, you know, all of this is taking place against the backdrop of Donald Trump trying to re regain or rewin um, the presidency. And so there's, uh, you know, there's some questions about whether this is disqualifying, whether anything that is referred out of these hearings would be disqualifying and just how it looks, how it looks to the American people. I mean, some of his candidates won in the midterms. It was not an, a red tsunami or a red yeah. wave, the way we're describing it. And many of the um, secretary of state and sort of administrative candidates uh, that were election deniers were not successful. So, you know, you can take away from that what you want. People will see it uh, according to their own political lens. But to some degree, 
um, it can be seen, I think, as a rejection of at least the most extreme uh, flank of the uh, big lie uh, conspiracy yeah. believers. So with this, though, if they hand down a report and say that criminal charges should be preferred, what happens then? Is it up to the Justice Department to then look into Donald Trump and charge him with a federal crime? Is that what's going to happen? Or is it someone in the District of Columbia that does it? What do, what do you think might happen? Yeah, I mean, the, the Justice Department is sort of the senior investigative agency. They may work with other agencies, but essentially what the what the hearings, what the congressional side can do is sort of lay out their findings, uh, you know, subpoenaing witnesses, interviewing them, taking sworn testimony, um, noting which people were not cooperative or, uh, you know, there's already been some questions about people who may have been pressured or misdirected before the hearings to not reveal everything they knew or remembered. Uh, so there's some witness tampering concerns already. All of these are going to go to the prosecutorial criminal side uh, of the system. Uh, and we'll see what happens to Trump. Maybe nothing happens. It's possible that nothing will happen to him, yeah. but we just don't know yet. The interesting thing is, though, of course, that the Attorney General is Merrick Garland, and Merrick Garland was the man who was prevented, excuse me, yes. from uh, taking his seat on the Supreme Court when nominated by President Obama because of possibly one of the most disgraceful things we've ever seen in the history of American politics when uh, the, the Republicans wouldn't even hold a hearing into it. I mean, it just, it was embarrassing. But, of course, they were absolutely, well, I don't know, they were shameless, I think is probably the way you, you'd put it, and totally, you know, changed the game when it comes to the Supreme Court. We've seen what happens. It's a result of that. Um, and Merrick Garland, who knows? Revenge is a dish best served cold. Look, I mean, it's... You could perceive it as, as karmic justice that uh, the person who's going to be uh, reviewing this case and deciding if somebody should be charged with a crime or prosecuted for a crime is the same guy that, that got, uh, you know, sort of uh, set aside or shunted aside uh, for the Supreme Court. But at the same time, look, I mean, he has an oath to uh, to carry out his job lawfully and dutifully, and that does not. Um, that does not include waging a personal grudge match. People would see through that very, very easily. I yes, think it's almost they did more with difficult the last, for him. Yeah, they did that with the last administration, didn't they? It was all personal, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that Garland is um, under almost extra pressure because of his political positioning having uh, been uh, frozen out of the Supreme Court, uh, you know, regarding his nomination. So I think it'll be sort of almost, he has to be extra careful about how he handles this. And, you know, we'll see if he can do that. I think a lot of people will have faith in him that he can. But the interesting That's thing, the job. yeah, sure, is that the president takes the oath to preserve, <laughs> protect and defend the Constitution. Once you're out of office, you don't take that oath. The former president has... He he wanted to overturn the Constitution, terminate the U.S. Constitution. I mean, is that what people want from a president? Well, I, first of all, I think saying that we should turn, what does that even mean? Yes. I mean, just when I first heard that, I was like, what does that even mean? Hmm. And who could do that? I mean, the Congress has a very, very exacting and complicated uh, method for amending the Constitution that requires just 
overwhelming amount of support and ratification by the states. And it, it's it's super difficult to change one letter of the Constitution. So terminating it, uh, I, I don't particularly see that on our immediate horizon, but um, we'll find out what the people want in the next election. That's that's how it goes. Okay. Um, Celeste, Kent Marston is our guest in Boston. Yeah, meanwhile, huge problems still exist, of course, in the US, and fentanyl is one of them. Um, there's enough fentanyl seized by the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, in 2022 to kill every person in America. Now, I don't know what percentage take fentanyl, but a lot, apparently. People are dying from overdoses. It is a huge, huge problem, the opioid addiction problem there are people making billions of dollars out of it too the drug companies what's happening what why is i mean i know we've talked about this a lot this but seeing these sorts of figures tells you how bad the situation is doesn't it yeah i mean it only takes tiny 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 a uh, few milligrams of fentanyl uh, overdose to kill somebody and what we're seeing now is that people people do get addicted directly to these opioid drugs. But what happens is there is now lacing, <clears throat> pardon me, there's now lacing of fentanyl in other kinds of fake prescription drugs that people buy on the street. So you might think you're buying painkillers. You might think you're buying Oxycontin, or you might think you're buying Xanax, which is like a tranquilizer or something, but it's laced with fentanyl, which is super addictive, super powerful, and super dangerous. And in many cases, people are Un, unwittingly taking this fentanyl and it's killing them. So as you mentioned, not much it takes to kill you. Uh, two milligrams, enough to fit on the tip of a pencil, that is enough to kill you. So easily hidden in these drugs, and yes, it's not just the drug companies making billions, but it's the, you know, the Mexican drug cartels that are all doing this as well. It, you know... It's one of the biggest killers in the United States. I actually noticed another figure during the week that a death by gun shot is now the biggest killer of children in the United States. Isn't that something to be proud of? Well, it's uh, it's certainly not great. And you know, I know I know a lot of people who are uh, been working on this issue for a very long time, and you know, I've I've covered some of these uh, cases. Um, it's very difficult to watch. I think that. People, you know, as angry and disgusted as people get, I think that sometimes there's just a problem with fatigue. Um, people feel scolded or they feel like they're doing everything they can. There's a whole separate issue with people having this feeling that their rights are being taken away. And you and I have talked about what the Second Amendment um, does and does not include exactly. or, or how it can be interpreted. Um, but, yeah, look, there there is a real problem with with children. Um people getting killed with guns, not by guns, but with guns. It's yes. an instrument. It's not a, a you know lone actor. Yeah. Um, it, it's something that we still haven't solved. No okay. question about that. All right. And finally this morning, TikTok. Now, i got to say I'm not into it. I, I only see it occasionally if it pops up on my Twitter feed. But it is hugely popular. Uh, but it's owned by, well, I presume either the Chinese government or Chinese companies. And a lot of people don't necessarily know that. Um, you can't ban it, I suppose, but the U.S. government wants to ban it from U.S. government phones. 
Right. So this would apply to phones that are owned by or issued by Congress. And it's already the case that you are not supposed to have TikTok downloaded on a phone that is issued to you as a staff member for Homeland Security, State Department, the Pentagon, the White House. You can't have it on your phone. I I suppose that doesn't necessarily bar you from having it on your personal phone. I actually don't know. But if it's a government phone, government controlled phone, they don't want you to have it. And it's interesting, um, you know, whether TikTok will be banned or will be transferred at some point to a U.S. controlled company. Uh, it's it's sort of up for discussion still about how much of a threat this is, but it is controlled by a Chinese company. Um, you know, TikTok is not you can't download TikTok in China. You know, they don't allow nice. it. It's not. But, uh, you know, the question, of course, is whether it's gathering personal information on people like their sure, contact yes. information, their location. Um, could it be used as a, a great way to harvest Americans data for the purpose of espionage, for the purpose of pushing propagandist, you know, CCP information on people again, unwittingly um, allow for interference in in uh U.S. Uh, public affairs and public life, uh, you know, it's not clear that that's definitely happening, but I think they're trying to head off uh, the possibility of it happening. Exactly. And look, you know, just from the apps that you use on your own phone or your uh, email account or whatever, that it targets what you've been searching for and then will give you ads for that. Uh, it, it curates your own timeline or your, 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 whatever you're scrolling at or looking at on, on any of these social media platforms, the, the algorithms do that. Why would people think that TikTok's any different? Right. And we certainly saw a lot of this in our, our past few elections. And, you know, with Facebook, for example, it was a real issue where it doesn't it doesn't necessarily check all the content, but it will amplify content that you seem to be seeking or that somebody might be paying to push to you. And if that is, say, misinformation about elections not being free, fair and secure and people want to buy into that, then, you know, you see there can be a ripple effect. I'm not blaming Facebook, to be clear. I'm not blaming social media itself in a sort of a silo for what happened, say, on January 6th or for people having very radical and extreme ideas uh, about elections. But I think that we've come to realize that this is definitely, at the very least, a vector for people to uh, spread extreme and false information about about the way our government functions and to, you know, to spin people up to be angry about things uh, in a certain way that could be for somebody's political benefit. Exactly right. All right, Celeste, so you're visiting family or friends at Christmas. You're going to have a lovely day, I hope. We'll talk to you again next year. Who knows what will happen between now and then. But thank you so much for being part of the program, of course, this year. We love talking to you, and I hope you have a very safe and peaceful Christmas and New Year. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Happy New Year. Thank you very much. The great Celeste Katzmaston in Boston in the United States.